1: H two P podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter, and we've got a lot to talk about today. This is going to be a, primarily a football show today. We try to switch it up, you know, football, bas- football one day, basketball the other. We will give brief news announcements if they involve the other team on Sunday, and that's what's happening right here because if you haven't heard over the weekend, uh, the uh, yeah, the Pit Panthers, the basketball team, they because they wouldn't have had a game until this upcoming Saturday. They moved up while well, the ACC moved up to be to, to be correct. Their game against uh, Syracuse at Syracuse uh, from early February to this Wednesday. So we'll be covering that game with our with our live file, which we'll be keeping up to date, keeping you up to date with the game there. And I'll be covering that game, of course, there. And then we'll probably be talking that game a little bit on this podcast later later this week. But point being. Pitts Pitts got a hoop game this week, Jeff Cable spoke and has two or three pla- says two or three players could be missing due to COVID on top of Justin Champane's injury. A lot of crazy stuff there. I covered it all in the Pitt Livewire file which you should be following at all times at dkpittsburghsports.com for all your up-to-date Pitt news. But this is about football. And this is specifically about Pat Narduzzi and how he's winning the offseason right now. And we already talked about before about his recruiting class and how he was winning that part of the off season. And he pulled in several top recruits. Uh, he won Naquan Brown away from LSU. He was able to pull in better Virginia classes than Virginia Tech and Virginia uh, and Virginia itself. Um, that's impressive. Uh, he pulled in four top defensive front prospects, all from the you know Western Pennsylvania area. He's winning in those respects and we were seeing that going on and then on top of that you're seeing Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones just rack up the awards. Rashad Weaver is a consensus All-American. I haven't seen if the Walter Football Camp has uh has, has announced their official all-american list if they list him as a first team all-american he will be a unanimous all-american the first one Pitt has had since Aaron Donald um but uh but Rashad Weaver Patrick Jones racking up the awards um showing that you know that the Pitt does have superstar talent even though they went six and five this year but again COVID and stuff is going to buy Narduzzi time with that and I think it's impressive because as you know you were listening to this podcast during the season. I, I was calling it. They, this program was in a state of free fall after the team's fourth straight loss and Paris Ford announced that he was opting out of the rest of the season. It was a sign that Pat Narduzzi didn't have a control of the locker room. It was a sign that Pitt was you know, losing uncontrollably and that they weren't going to be able to rebound. But the Bucks stopped there. They went on the road. They, they had a game postponed, and then they went on the road and then they played Florida State, won convincingly there. Then they were able to win convincingly against Virginia Tech at home in, in, on senior day for a big win. You know, they got blown out by Clemson, but who do, who doesn't get blown up by Clemson? Oh, apparently Ohio, Ohio State doesn't, but that's a whole other story. Um, they're they're one of the top-level programs. They're supposed to be doing that. And then they finished strong against Georgia Tech to close out the season, winning three of their last four games. You, you rebound like that. Then you bring in a really strong recruiting class, and it's being— amplified even more by some of these transfers that they're winning over they officially got marcus minor who was a big 10 all-american uh uh academic or a big an, sorry excuse me an academic all big 10 player in both 2018 and 2019 he's an offensive tackle that will now be thrusted into probably the starting line uh for Pitt in 2021 and uh, he'll carry i think two years of eligibility with that and just continuing to add to those numbers also mj devonshire a guy who was a huge prospect not too long ago out of aliquippa he could he's, he's supposed to be coming over to pit they haven't announced it uh, officially but we're pretty sure that, that he's you know a guy that they, that they signed that we saw the pit to lit sign and we the rumors were floating around pretty sure MJ Devonshire coming back from Kentucky another transfer signing over Ferdinand Narduzzi. huge wins for him there but on top of those type of wins, Part of what I wanted to see out of this pit program was how much did these players actually believe in the program? Because when Paris Ford left, I mean, it looked like and he was your biggest, biggest name after Jalen Twy- Twyman, though. Now you'd say that Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones are the team's biggest names, but Paris Ford was the guy before the season started that everyone was pointing at and saying, he's going to be one of the best safeties in this upcoming draft class. He's gonna going to be going of the guys that determines how good pit is this year. And when he left, There was a serious question as far as, did the players believe in Pat Narduzzi? And I think you can get a resounding yes from how so many players stuck with it, kept up with it, did a great job preparing for it, and um, preparing for the rest of the season. And the seniors and guys who are going on next year, and some that are even coming back, like Kenny Pickett, another big win for Pat Narduzzi this offseason. All of them point to that he never lost control of the locker room, just maybe of Paris Ford and some other guys. But again, I look at some of the people who are at the heart of the Pitt program, the guys that, to me, defined what you needed to be the culture of your program. And one of those guys won an award Monday. And that guy was Jimmy Morrissey. He won the Burlsworth Trophy. If you don't know what that is, that's the award given every year to the best player in the country who started off as a walk-on. Now, uh, the biggest name that, of course, has won that award is Baker Mayfield. He won that twice because he he did walk on in his first year. Um, but it's still an important award. You know, people you know people forget that most of the guys that make the you know there are more not most of the guys that make the Hall of Fame but there are more players in the pro football Hall of Fame that were undrafted than there are first round draft picks which is very crazy to think about not as much when you actually think about the amount of players that have made it but Jimmy Morrissey to me embodied a lot of the things that you would love about about a Pitt Panther he you know all season long when you asked him you know during the losing streak during the winning streak we got to look at the film we got to get better we got to do this we got to do that you saw him being the leader setting the tone, and every time you asked Bryce Hargrove, Matt Gonsalves, uh Carter Warren, any anytime you asked any other lineman, they you know I said, you know, what's going on? You, well, Jimmy set this standard, and Jimmy did this, and Jimmy did that. And to me, Jimmy Morrissey, if that's the kind of player that Pat Narduzzi can keep producing, he's not the most talented. He's not the best center in college football. He's not the biggest, the strongest, or any of that, but the heart that you want out of that dude. To come in after being rejected by 128 schools that he applied to play, and he tried to get on as a scholarship player. Then to come to Pitt to walk on, to start for four years, and to become a captain, and be the voice of the team, and be that center of the room, that's the kind of heart that you want. And after he won the Burlesworth Trophy, I, was, you know, I watched the live stream. Of course, it couldn't be a live event. Uh, where everyone was in a ballroom or anything like that. But they did do a live stream. He won the event. It was really exciting for him. We got an opportunity to speak with him. Um, I got to ask a question, and then a few questions followed. And I wanted to just let you listen to the audio to get the sense of what kind of a person and player Jimmy Morrissey is so that you, get, you understand just how much Pat Narduzzi is winning when players sound like this after they're leaving your program and heading to the NFL this is Jimmy responding to my question right after I asked it to the, you know, in the press conference. Thanks, Chris. I think
0: it would be, um, just doing the little things, right. Whether it's, you know, the recovery aspect, your diet, or, you know, the preparation preparation is a big part. And that's what, you know, our entire group really honed in on this season was watching film on our own, doing more. That's what that's not expected or asked of you. Um, really going above and beyond what expectations were. So I think that's really the biggest thing that the O-line probably, the culture that we've been able to set for the past couple of years is, you know, doing more than what's asked of you and focusing on the little things.
1: Okay, uh, Kelly Burkett. I mean, I've asked you this before. Congratulations, by the way. And I've asked you this before about what Pitt means to you and this whole giving you a chance and walking on. Talk
0: about what all that means to go from there to where you are now. It's amazing. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I have a loss of words right now. It, I, I love the University of Pittsburgh, the opportunity it's given me. And, um, you know, I'm glad I won't, when I took that visit in January, where it was an official visit with all the other, you know, scholarship kids, my parents, you know, we had to pay for breakfast, pay to get there, you know, walk-ons have to pay for everything on those visits. Um, I I fell in love with the university when I was walking around and the people I met inside the program. And I'm glad I went with my gut decision. I'll always be a proud man, and, you know, extremely grateful for everything that that city and that school has done for me. And, um, you know, it, it gave me an opportunity and a place to grow as a player and as a man. So I love the University of Pittsburgh. Hey, John McConnell. Jimmy, congrats. Um, you know, when you when you were accepting the award here, you finding out, you started to get a bit emotional. I mean, what does this kind of just mean for you to to, to cap your pick career? You know, I guess we're a month month removed. You know, since your last game, but really to cap your career with this uh, recognition, uh, how much does that mean to you? Thanks, John. It's, it's amazing. I, um, like I said earlier, it's, it's been a goal of mine ever since I was a freshman to win this award. And last year I I got nominated, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't even get to be a semifinalist. And so it's something I've worked for and the chaotic senior year that we've had and what's going on in the world. It's, it's been, you know, it's been crazy, but to, to win this award and cap it off with this like the cherry on top. And, uh, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for all my teammates and my coaches and, Um, the whole Burlesworth trophy and their foundation. And, you know, it was, it it was emotional for me because of how much work I put in to my college career and how much time and effort I put in. I'm very passionate about the game of football and uh, you know, it caught me off guard. I thought, I thought Grant and Dax, we all had an equal opportunity to win the award. They're phenomenal players if you, if you look at their track record. So um, it, it meant a lot to win this award and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that. I'll have it with me for the rest of my
1: life. No, I could let you sit through that, and you know, uh, you know, but you get the point. Those are the answers that that guy get. That guy knows what it means to be a leader. He knows the right things to say, but also he re- he really means it. He believes in the program. He never gave up in it at, at any point in time, and. I still, we, I still haven't seen the official announcement from Jimmy that he's going to the NFL draft this year. I still think that there's a backhanded chance that he could come back because Kenny Pickett came back and they are boys. I mean, the, when they were presenting the trophy, uh, several of the videos, that you know, they showed videos for all the other finalists. But several of the videos in Jimmy Morrissey's clip that they cut together had him and Kenny Pickett just goofing around together. And, and that's just, that's how close that they've been. So maybe he comes back. But either way, Pat Narduzzi is winning. He's getting the recruits, the guys that he's getting key guys to come back. The guys who aren't coming back are singing his praises. And yes, I know you're frustrated as a Pitt fan that they haven't bursted through, busted through and gotten the the big nine win season and a big, huge bowl game win on New Year's Day. But we got to remember where Pitt is. Nobody is messing with the Ohio State's, the Clemson, the Alabama's. Notre Dame had a very strong year. You saw how good their defense was. You saw how good their offensive line was, and they were smoked in the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure any of the other teams that they had put in that fourth spot would have been smoked as well. Maybe not Texas A&M, but point being, Pitt got a lot of things to do before it even gets to that discussion. But for what it is right now, I think Pat Narduzzi is still building a program where he can bring in those top-tier recruits. And if he continues to win, guys like he did this season, and we see those these recruits believing to this system that he's continuing to build and manifest, you know, players that are talented and getting drafted high and putting up exciting numbers this year, you keep doing that, I think you start to get more of those superstars that those big programs get, and maybe in a couple years, we're all talking like, "Whoa, is Pitt exciting to watch again?" Uh, who knows? We got more on Pitt. Because uh, we gotta, we, we're looking forward here. I want to look back at a player that truly defined what everyone loves about pit football and an announcement that came a little teary-eyed to me, a guy that watched him while I was growing up. We'll talk about that right after this.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
1: I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's talk about the guy who's my favorite Pitt Panther ever, Larry Fitzgerald. He announced his retirement from the NFL on Sunday after the Cardinals game. They were knocked out of the playoffs while he couldn't play. COVID's hitting, and I think he, he tested positive, so he's got to consider all that. Seeing Larry Fitzgerald retire, I mean, you knew it had to happen at some point, but it's still... You, know, you look at it and you're like, man, that's that's a heck of a career. That's a heck of a player. That's a heck of an example of what you want every Pitt Panther to be. I mean, nobody can be Larry Fitzgerald, though. I mean, for my money, he's the second best receiver of all time. And the only one ahead of him is Jerry Rice. That man stuck to one organization for his entire career. And not that that means that he's the greatest receiver or anything. But he finished with the second most receptions in college football, and not college football. I'm sorry. He finished the second most receptions in NFL history, with uh, I think it was 1,432. His 17,492 receiving yards are the second most in NFL history, and his 121 receiving touchdowns are sixth most in NFL history. Mind you, the other guys around him: Jerry Rice, had Joe Montana and Steve Young, Randy Moss, Tom Brady. Terrell Owens, I mean, the one thing you can say about Terrell, he didn't always have superstar quarterbacks, but he did have Donovan McNabb, who was launching the ball a lot to him in those years. He had uh, you know, he had Jeff Garcia working with him. He got to work next to Jerry Rice for some years. Um, and then, of course, he had Tony Romo for a year. Terrell's a special case. But there was never a question about Larry's heart. There was never a question about where he'd be and how much he was fighting. The man blocked. The man tackled. The man didn't drop passes. I think they said he had like three drop passes over like 15 years of playing at one point in his career. And it was just like, how is that, how is that a stat? How is that possible? And hearing when I heard the announcement he retired, I mean, again, I knew it was coming at some point. But it's like, man. That's it. That we never see Larry Fitzgerald play again. How crazy is that? If you lived, if if you're if if you live, you know most most listeners to this, you saw Larry Fitzgerald play for Pitt. Wasn't that the most exciting that you've ever seen a Pitt a Pitt player on offense? I mean, if you lived for the Tony Dorsett days, I, I know you're probably saying, "Shut up, Carter. You know what you're talking about." But I I I was born in '89. I grew up in the '90s. You know, I you know I started learning football in the mid '90s. You know, Kevin Barlow was a guy that I watched. And not that Kevin Barlow's anywhere near Larry Fitzgerald. Wait for him, wait for him. I'm getting to the point. But Kevin Barlow was a kid. You know, my dad coached him in high school. He went on. He played really well in the backyard brawl. You see him get drafted, go to the Niners. Like you know, you, you see pit players come and go over the years, and that they become really good. Antonio Bryant's, um, you know, th- those type of guys. Larry Fitzgerald was just above. He, he's like Aaron Donald. He's just so far above everybody else in that category. And I look at how he played for Pitt, for the country. I mean, he he wasn't just the superstar. Rod Rutherford, uh, a City League grab by the way, from Perry. Rod Rutherford would just throw the ball up to him and he would just bring it down. In two years, just two, Larry Fitzgerald got 161 receptions for 2,677 yards and 34 touchdowns for Pitt. In just two seasons, and he would just light people up. It was a crime that they gave it to the the the, the Heisman Trophy to Jason White of all people uh, in his in in Larry's last year in two thousand three. But he was just supremely phenomenal. How many times you watch that highlight of him catching a one handed touchdown against Virginia Tech while three defenders are all over him? That's just who he was, and then. What always amazed you about Larry was he would get up after the touchdown, even like a touchdown like that. If I caught a touchdown like that, you know how many dances I would do. I would be fine, kicked out of the game, whatever. I would be losing my stuff. I once caught a touchdown in a parking lot. This is like eight or seven years, seven or eight years ago, whatever. I ca- I caught a touchdown in a parking lot. I landed on some like busted glass and I spiked the football and I was like, yeah, and like like my arm was bleeding. Cause I landed the I was losing my mind over that. This man, he would do those type of plays in the biggest games. And he would just get up and hand the ball to the ref. And he was like, yep. Good job, team. Let's go. Always the leader. Always Larry. I mean, that's just, you love watching Larry Fitzgerald. And then just being the ultimate teammate when he was with the Cardinals and he was teamed up with Anquan Bolden, who in his prime was a very good receiver. And the two of them were side by side. And Anquan Bolden's in a negotiation battle with the Cardinals to get more money. And it's like, how do you pay how do we pay you all the money when we're paying Larry all the money? And Larry Fitzgerald went out to public and said, I will I will give up money to keep make keep him as a teammate. You can take money out of my contract. That's who Larry Fitzgerald is. The guy, first of all, he better be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I've seen Terrell Owens. I've seen Randy Mo I've seen people have to wait years because they don't like receivers or whatever. If he ain't a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm telling you, Pit fans, we riot. And I'm sure there'd be some Cardinals fans and some other people out there that would join us. But we could carry our pitchforks to Canton. It's a lot closer for us than Arizona. And we would go there and be like, what the heck is wrong with y'all? Because Larry Fitzgerald was, to me, anytime you called upon him, he did it even when he was older the cardinals are duking it out with i think it was the packers in a, in a nfc uh divisional round game this was like maybe 3 or 4 years ago and larry fitzgerald is you know he catches a pass over the middle he breaks it and this is old man larry fitzgerald he don't got speed no more he's not as good as when he was when he almost beat the steelers in the 2008 super bowl he, he he's not that he's not that guy anymore but he's still just breaking tackles running all over the place they're feeding him the ball and he never had a consistent quarterback. He had Kurt Warner for a couple years, but he had Josh McCown. He didn't get Colin Murray until his last couple seasons, and even then, Colin Murray's still not, you know, anywhere like you know a Tom Brady, the way that Randy Moss had, a Joe Montana, the way that Jerry Rice had. You get my point here with all the other receivers that are up there in all-time receiving numbers. He always had to work with guys who were lesser talent, and you could say Carson Palmer, but to me, Carson Palmer was, eh. I still don't put him up there. And again, he only got him for a few seasons. He never had to de- got to develop that rapport for a long-time relationship. The way Antonio Brown had Ben Roethlisberger, he never had a guy like that that he could carry on for most of his career. And that you knew was the truth to work with. And yet he was always battling. I think this was two years ago. I think it was the year before they got Kyler Murray. And at the end of the season, Cardinals are playing. And... They're trying to come back in their last game. And it's the, it's, the, it's literally the last game. They're down by less than a touchdown. And they're trying to get the ball down the field. And they got some some guy at quarterback. And uh, Larry Fitzgerald catches a pass over the middle. is tackled in bounds. The clock's ticking. and This game don't mean nothing to Larry. I mean, it does mean something to Larry. But it shouldn't mean nothing to Larry. Because it's like the season's going to be over. They're going to get a high draft pick. You'll be back next year making millions of dollars. Why do you care? But what does Larry Fitzgerald do? He takes the ball, runs it back to the line, sits it down, gets set, and is like, let's go, let's go, let's go, and then they spike the ball. And then the next play, another person catches the ball. That guy gets up and points for a first down. What is Larry Fitzgerald doing? Before he's even getting up, Larry Fitzgerald runs over to the guy, picks up the football, runs to the runs right, hands it to him, and then gets the whole team set. And they, I mean, he was quarterbacking the team from the wide receiver position. That's who Larry Fitzgerald is. I always love watching Larry Fitzgerald. I'm, I feel like I'm blessed to have watched a player like Larry Fitzgerald. And, and I don't mean that in the sense that, like, oh, we should bow down before football players. I'm not going that far. But I'm saying that as a person who loves the game of football, who studies the game of football, there are certain players who you're like, wow, that is once in a lifetime. You don't see that all the time. That guy That, that guy is the legend. Not a legend, the legend. And there are very few guys that get to hold that title. Larry Fitzgerald, he gets that every time in the wide receiver conversation for me. If I was starting an all-time NFL team, Jerry Rice and him, boom, my top two receivers. And good luck trying to stop either of them. But Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, and, and again, the Steelers know it because they saw it in the Super Bowl. They locked him they they, they they strategized to take him out of the game for three and a half quarters, but you can only take him out of the game for three and a half quarters. He still also, that year, I think it was, he had like 230-some yards receiving. Though he had the most receiving yards in that playoff run than any receiver in NFL history. He went ballistic in every single round. Caught three touchdowns against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And in that Steelers game, he caught two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And they weren't, they weren't cheat touchdowns. The one touchdown he caught over Ike Taylor, Ike's hand was on the ball. He caught the ball and Ike's hand in the corner of the end zone to, to, to get them in their comeback. And then the pass over the middle, he breaks, free, he breaks free. Nobody was catching him. Troy wasn't catching him. Nobody was catching him. That's Larry Fitzgerald. And then even on the, James Harrison's interception return, he almost caught James Harrison. If he wasn't on the sideline and someone, was, I think it was, maybe, I forget who was in, in his way. There was somebody that got in his way for like half a second because he was on the sideline. And he was like, he was running to. If that person in his way, Larry Fitzgerald might have caught James Harrison and stopped him from scoring on that interception return for a touchdown in Super Bowl 43. But that's the embodiment of my favorite pit player that I've ever watched live. I don't think I've had more fun watching a pit player than I've had watching Larry Fitzgerald. I'm going to miss watching him in the NFL even though I mean the last year I mean <laughs> he, he, you kind of knew what it was with Larry Fitzgerald you knew he was he was on his last legs but I wish him nothing but health and success moving forward and it's been great watching him I think Pitt fans that's a that's a career that you could absolutely salute and uh if you're if you're a young Pitt fan listen to this go back and look up some of them Larry Fitzgerald highlights if you're in Pitt right now if you're a student and you're like, oh, what's that? Because, I mean, if you're a student, it's 2021. Uh, I'd be right around the time you were born that Larry Fitzgerald was playing for Pitt. Go up and look at some of those stat- some of those highlights, man. You'll, you'll get why he was a bad dude. But that's Larry Fitzgerald. That's my love letter to him. Congratulations on his retirement. Thanks for listening to the DKH2P Podcast. We hope that you've loved this show. Uh, again, we looked forward at the start. We looked back. For the uh, second half of the show, to Larry Fitzgerald, you can listen to all of our DK Sports Radio content right here on the DK Sports Radio Network. Subscribe to us We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcast or hosted. Shine up for DKPittsburghSports.com. You'll get all our Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, Pitt, of course, and Penn State. And if you, you if you want to read Jared site, Jared's great. He read his Penn State coverage if you want to check out what's going on over there. We also got Noah Hiles covering Duquesne and Robert Moore's great stuff there. We do all of that at DKPittsburghSports.com. Subscribe to there today. It's a great place to be and a great place to get all your sports content. Remember, Pitt basketball plays Wednesday. I'll be doing doing that up on the website getting you getting you all the coverage for that game as they take on Syracuse. We'll see how that game goes, and then I'll be talking about it later this week on the DK H2P podcast. Till then, my friends, H2P. Hail to Pitt.